Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, verses 10 through 12. And it says this, and many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful, we're thankful this morning. God, thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we don't have to ask for your presence to be here. God, you're everywhere. God, what we're asking is for us to be aware of your presence, to make your presence known in this moment. So, Lord, I pray that whatever distraction is there, remove it. Whatever care, whatever concern exists, remove it. May we focus in this moment. Because, Lord, you you are intentional. And so we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. And so because of that, we want to know what that is. So give us eyes to see what it is that you're showing us. Give us ears to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. Thank you for this holy moment. And we say this, Lord, speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, come on, everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Family, when you think, when you think of the end times or you think of the sign of the times, you always think about, it's not uncommon to think about the, the big moments, the big signs, the situations that seem to just be screaming at you that Jesus is coming back. Now, sidebar real quick, I remember as a teenager, I don't know how many of you guys have been impacted by the movie Left Behind. Yes, it's trauma. And I remember experiencing that trauma as a teenager, trying to call every, like I'm call, I was trying to reach my mom, trying to reach my dad. Everyone I was trying to reach, I was like, I know they good. And they weren't picking up the phone. Can you imagine the trauma I felt in that moment? Like, Lord, you didn't left me. They just weren't picking up the phone. They was, they was distracted. I got home. I was like, they got home. They weren't there. So you know the concern, like, hold up. <laughs> but we, it's easy to look at the big signs. It's easy to think about the, the big moments, right? And we can look at these weather patterns, and we can all agree, like, yo, it's, it's off. Texas is not supposed to be that hot for that long. It's, it's too hot. Inflation is high. The economy, it's crazy. There aren't, there aren't just rumors of wars. No, there are wars that are ongoing. So then we ask the question, the stage has to be set, right? Well, while those are easy signs to point to, easy signs to pay attention to, family, there is one that is often missed, and that is the sign of offense. And even as I mentioned offense this morning, you said, wait a minute, I thought this was going to be about relationships. It is. How many of you guys know perhaps the, the area that we are offended the most are those that we are in relationship with? Because there's a level of expectation that's there. So, yes, it happens with those that we live in close proximity with, of course, but it also happens just in general. And so one of the signs that's often missed is the sign of offense. Because look what Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 10. He says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Now, in this verse, Jesus, he's responding to the disciples who asked him, well, what's the sign 
of your return? What will that look like? What will that be? And he begins to list off all these things that will be signs, but then he gets to verse 10 where he mentions offense. And I think we can all agree that offense is running rampant today. That offense is all over the place. You can offend someone just simply by the car you drive. Well, you didn't have to buy that car. Did you need that car? Like, I, I just liked it, right? The house you live in. I mean, did you need that square footage? You probably only use actually two of those rooms. Why do you have five rooms? Like, can I just buy the house I wanted? To? The clothes you wear. Or just simply being offended because I'm offended. There are... <laughs> There are people who are offended because they saw something else happen to somebody else who's not even offended, but they're offended for that person. And so you're like, what? They're not even, why? why? People just offended all over the place. In fact, offense has become a badge of honor. Like People wear it proudly. I'm offended. <laughs> well, look what he goes on to say in verse 11. He says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And it's happening, family. You got, you know, part of the design of this collection, if you're familiar, it looks like TikTok. Because, you know, I, I call on TikTok right now, uh, you have these TikTok theologians. And they're telling you every reason why you should be offended with everything, offended with the church, offended because they said this, offended because they said that, offended, all these different things. You know, one of the areas, moments where offense was really heightened was 2020. Now, I'm not asking for any sympathy or nothing like that, but I, we were actually in the season of transition from staff to figuring out what the Lord was doing with us before the becoming, but I saw all the pastors and everything that was happening in 2020, they didn't know what to say. Because you're going to make somebody mad. If you say, hey, we're going to gather online. Why are we only, why are we gather online? We can't be scared. If we gather in person, y'all just don't care about life. Look at you. And they sitting over here like, I'm just trying to ask God what to do. But y'all offended no matter what I do. You're like, you need to get something off your chest? No, I wasn't pastoring the church at the time. I'm just, it's just an observation. It's just an observation. But telling others to be offended has become lucrative. Telling people to, that you should be offended has become a, a way or source of living. Organizations and platforms have been built around the idea of being offended because this group tells you to be offended because of this reason. And then you have another group that tells you to be offended because of that reason. And here's what we don't realize is that they are profiting off of this all the while. So now you're offended at your neighbor, you're offended at your family member, you're offended at the coworker, you're offended at the person uh, in traffic because of whatever sticker they had on the back of their truck. And so now you're all offended because this group told you to be offended whenever you see this, and then that group told you to be offended whenever you see that. Meanwhile, their pockets are getting larger. Then what? It's quiet in here. Somebody offended right now. <laughs> you can say in all... <laughs> You can send your emails to IamOffended at TheBecomingChurch.org. <laughs> I got to stop. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And so because of people telling us that we need to be offended, 
I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it just seems that the hearts of people have grown cold. You know, people talk about this southern hospitality. I'm like, where, where has it gone? It's different these days. And so as a result, because of these cold hearts that we've developed, we don't live connected lives anymore. We live disconnected. We try to figure out how quickly can we pull in the garage and let the garage door down so we don't even have to deal with anyone because I may be <laughs> offended in dealing with them. All we do, we've been programmed to look for offense. And the reason why we don't live connected anymore is because, well, that's, what, that's the purpose of offense. It's a Greek word called scandalizo, which is actually where we get the word, English word, scandal from. We think of scandal, scandal is a, is a di- disruption. A scandal is typically a moment that's tearing something apart, which is what it means. Offense means to cause to fall away. And so because of offense, that's what we've done. We have fallen away from living connected lives to the point now that we live disconnected lives. And here's the thing. Let me, let me illustrate it this way as I go on. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to catch anything before, uh, but in order... Uh, to catch something, you need a trap. And typically with a trap, what do you need? You need some bait. I don't know if we got any fishermen in here. I am not one. But if you want to catch a fish, what do you use? A worm. There's no wrong answer. You can, I mean, I guess there is, but you can respond. It's okay. It's okay. So if you want to catch a fish, use a worm. If you want to catch a mouse, what do you use? Cheese. There it is. I got it. I said, I told you. And if you want to catch a rabbit, what do you use? Carrot, there it is, there it is. So if you want to catch something in a trap, you need bait. Well, listen to this. When the enemy wants to bait us into a trap, what does he use? He uses offense. And John Bevere, he calls offense the bait of Satan. It's the bait of Satan because offense will always be there. It'll always be around. It'll just be moving along, seeing who's going to grab, grasp at the bait that it is. Look at Luke 17, verse 1. It says this, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. So in other words, offense is going to be there. The moment to pick up fence, offense, the opportunity to be offended is always going to exist. But because it's always available and is there, family, it doesn't mean that we need to choose offense. Now, some of you may be saying, well, that sounds good, but that's not always easy to do. And I get that and I understand that because in many cases, offense catches us off guard. Maybe it was a word that was said, a comment that was made, an invitation that wasn't extended, a consideration that wasn't made. Whatever it is, it catches us off guard, and when it happens in a moment, it jolts us a little bit. It rocks us a little bit, and it's there at that point that we have a decision to make. Are we going to pick up a fence? No one is um, excluded from this. This, this This is something that I have to navigate Myself as well. Hey, let me, let me let you guys in on something. So at the Becoming Church, we just, we just have honest conversations. So y'all cool if I have an honest conversation with you? Okay. 
I know this is being recorded. I don't care. I just need to get you a real life situation of the moment where we get to choose if we're going to be offended or not. And then I want to go back to something I said earlier about how there are people and organizations that program us to choose offense. So keep that thought in mind as I, as I walk you through this. So y'all know this. I'm black. <laughs> Surprise. I don't know why that was so funny. <laughs> and Katie, my wife, she's white and Japanese. And that's easy to tell when we're out that we're different. We got different shades. And so here's what I have to, we have to navigate, but especially me, is that on a Saturday night, no matter what time it is, Saturday night, so it's Saturday night, and we're finishing up a meal if somebody walks, they walk to the table and they say, is that one or two checks? You know, when you be like, you pastor, you be like, taking that hat off right now. <laughs> I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, are you crazy? It is 845 Saturday night. Who just hanging out talking about two checks? Even if we're not dating, it's just one or not together. So I have to work on this, family. I'm like, yeah, it's one. I'm the husband. I pay for our meal. And I'm like, oh, Mike, just relax, relax. They, they might have been at church last week. I'm just having an honest conversation with you. I hope you're okay with this. So in that moment, I have to, I have to navigate that. And Katie, she's like, just let it go. Pray, pray, pray. I'm like, no, it's too many times I ain't praying. I'm going to pray later. Because they need to know. Don't ask nobody that crazy question again. It's 8.45 on Saturday night. What you think we are? I'm just being honest. This summer, we had our kids and um, the boys in, in summer camp. And uh, it was a new summer camp this year, different from the one we did last year. And I hadn't, at this point, it was early on, I had not dropped them off or picked them up. And so I was picking them up this day. And when I walked in, um, the lady asked, she, uh, they didn't ask the person in front of me, they didn't ask for their ID. And then it got to me and asked for my ID. And then they asked if our boys had the same last name as me. And I'm like, why would they? I'm the dad, yes, we have. And so I was like, I know why. But then I got in the truck and the Holy Spirit checked me. Do you? Or are there other for forces and voices that's working to program you to think a certain way, and that's not even what it is, and because of that, you're offended and you shouldn't even be? Here's how I know, because guess what happened the next day? I showed up. Hey, Mr. Hamilton, good to see you. I, I have the boys come right on down. So the people who profit off of it, they're working to program us, program me, and tell me, Oh, they asked that question because of X, Y, Z reason. Not because they didn't want to send somebody's kids home with the wrong person. <laughs> and so I'm walking out the door and the Holy Spirit's like, I told you. 
Now, you were offended for a reason that you had no reason to be when all that lady was doing was making sure you are who, the, who you're supposed to be so your boys could go home with you and they never asked the name or ID for the entire summer. But when we allow folks to tell us we're supposed to think this way or somebody, this is what they really meant, and we never had a conversation, then we find ourselves living offended. And so we're mad over something that didn't even happen, that wasn't even the real reason. And so we have to be careful with offense. Was that too real for y'all? Ah, if it was, you're okay, you'll be okay, you'll be okay. What we don't realize is that offense produces fruit. Offense produces isolation. Offense produces manipulation. We'll try to manipulate moments because of offense. Offense produces separation. So because we're offended, we'll slowly start to separate from a situation that somebody may not even be aware of instead of going to that person in a biblical way and having a conversation. Instead, we say, I'm done with them. I ain't going to talk to them. I ain't going to see them. I ain't going to text them back. Oh, don't be sending me no memes no more. I'm not even responding. Offense produces stagnation. We just become still. We become stuck. Offense will blind us from reality, like how I was in a moment. I was blinded from the reality that this was a security thing, not an ethnicity thing. Offense makes us see things that aren't really there and not see things that are really there. That's what offense does. Offense will cause you to become a skeptic. That person that's skeptical of everything, well, they're only doing this because. Well, the only reason they say it now is because of that. And all we do is we live as a skeptic. But here's what offense also is. Offense is an alarm clock. Offense will wake up an emotion that we've been carrying the whole time. And that moment that that trigger is hit, the alarm clock goes off and it sounds the alarm of offense, this baggage of this weight that we've been carrying. But we know what Erica said. You're going to hurt your back <laughs> carrying all them bags like that. That's right. <laughs> so in other words, you got to put the bags down. You got to drop it. Oh, but you don't know what they said. Drop it. Because you carrying it is not hurting them, it's hurting you. Because it's not just affecting the relationship you have with them, but it's also affecting the relationship you have with others. It becomes this baggage that we bring into everything because the reality is we all have baggage. We got trauma, drama, our daddy and our mama. We all got baggage that we're trying to navigate. And that's where a lot of our offense, offense comes from. It comes from past experiences that we decide to bring into the present. So think of past, some past hurts. Maybe... Maybe some, some of you in this room, you're reconnecting to church, or maybe you know others who are actually disconnected from church right now because of maybe one person. One person in the church, one person in the whole entire church said one thing. And so now that one comment has become those people. And you're like, but it was, it was that person. How did that person turn into those people? Well, you know how they do over there. And it's like, no, how that person did, not how they. 
But because of one experience with one person, we've de- we develop this thing of, well, the church don't this, the church don't that, and now we're disconnected. Maybe it's a church 1,500 miles away that you heard of one time. And so because of what you heard of one time, we become disconnected. We become offended. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's one person who wronged you, and now we take what they did and we put it on everyone else. Well, because this how they treated me, I'm just waiting for the moment that you're going to do the same thing. Well, because of what they said, how they responded in a moment, I know ultimately this relationship is going to look just like that. And we're not supposed to live like that. We can't live like that. Because, you know, God's plan is people, right? God's plan is people. And here's what, here's what I mean when I say that. Well, Jesus died on the cross not for an idea but for us people. So in other words, we can't escape this. We can't live this life thinking that we can escape people. And people are oftentimes opportunity. But offense will cause us to actually miss opportunity. Offense will cause you to turn an opportunity into opposition. And so maybe there's someone that God is bringing into your life, and because they remind you of so-and-so who did you wrong, you can't even connect with that opportunity that you've prayed for, believed for, that the Lord has brought because of this reminder of the past, because you were offended, offended in a moment and chose to take that offense and apply it to someone else. So what is supposed to be blessing you, instead we see it as a burden. Which means offense is what? It's a disruption to destiny. Offense blinds you to the reality of the life that God wants you to live. So obviously, we just spent all this time, family, navigating all the problems and the issues with offense. But of course, before we leave this morning, I can't leave you there. We're not going to leave you there. So I'm going to give us three ways to overcome offense. And by the way, Mitzah mentioned this up front. You can follow along by way of the TBC app. Uh, in these notes as well. But here's the first way to overcome offense is that we got to understand the true enemy. So going back to this, to John Bevere's statement of offense being the bait of Satan, we have to listen to that and take it for what it is. It's the bait of Satan. Meaning this, the person who offended you wasn't the one who was leading the charge. They were just a tool. That they were just a tool being used by the enemy. They were the bait in that moment that the enemy used them to bait us into a place of offense. You said, well, where are you getting this from? Look at Ephesians 6.12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So the struggle is not against the person. I know you see the person. I know the person did it. I know the person said it. I know the person made you feel that. But our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces and evil of evil in the heavenly realms. So in other words, offense is beyond them. It's beyond the person you see. And it's the, it's the bait of Satan because there is nothing like offense to disrupt what the Lord is doing. Not just in your life personally, but even within a church. So you have to work and be proactive against the spirit of offense. Because scripture says in Psalm 133, where there is unity, the Lord commands a blessing. So when you're unified, there's going to be the blessing of God on something. And so 
when we're unified and have the understanding that there's more that we can do together, there's more that we can accomplish as a unit, accomplish as a whole, meaning we can take back territory uh, that the enemy has laid claim to. We take, t- take back territory and redeem it. Well, he don't want that. He don't want to lose ground. So what does he do? He begins to put out little moments and opportunities for us to become offended. Well, they didn't wave at you like they normally do. Well, the coffee wasn't as warm. I didn't like the songs that they sang this morning. Pastor Michael had a weak message for us this week. That joke that he told, I didn't like it. I didn't like that he mentioned that whole thing about how he felt. Like, wow, what kind of pastor is that? That he actually had those thoughts in that moment. I feel some type of way about that now. And all of that is used by the enemy to weave in offense, to break up the unity that exists because he understands that where there is unity, that God will have his blessing on it. So we can't choose and pick up offense because offense will cause us to turn someone who is supposed to help us walk in victory into someone that we view as the enemy. So we're supposed to be tethered together. We're supposed to live connected. But because I've been offended, I don't see you as someone who can help me walk into victory. But now I see you as an enemy. But we need this reminder this morning, family, that people are not our enemy. Satan is. So we can't choose offense. Here's another way that we navigate offense. We have to express what you expect. This is, this is true in life, period, but especially in relationships. And especially if you're married in here. I mean, this is for any relationship, but especially if you're married. Because we, we grow up with different contexts and we see different things. So oftentimes you get married and you just have this expectation just because. And then because you didn't express it, it wasn't met. And so then you was thinking like, well... I cook, so I know he's going to clean. You can wash some dishes. And he's like, hey, you cook. You already there. Might as well clean the dishes too. And so what happens, because there wasn't something expressed, here comes the offense. Expectations can never be met if they are never expressed. And what happens when those expectations are missed is offense. And one of the reasons why we don't want to express them is because they may cause moments of conflict. But conflict is not something to be avoided. Conflict is something to be embraced. Why? Because it gets to the solution. It gets to an answer. And so, in other words, we're building up thinking that we can just, like, through osmosis, you're going to get what I'm trying to, like, no. you you got to speak it. You have to express it. You have to communicate it. And you got to be big boy and big girl enough to hear the other person. And not change and try to navigate what they're saying. Here's, here's, here's one thing. When, when Katie and I have a discussion. <laughs> I ain't never knew discussion could be so funny. But whenever we have a discussion, discussion, I don't try to tell her how she feels. I have to say, okay, I don't agree. I say that internally. I don't agree, but I have to look at it 
and see if there's a re- like see the reason why she feels this way. Because just because I don't think that I'm doing it, there may be something that I'm communicating that says that to her. Or just the context in how she grew up. We grew up differently. And so me saying this means something to her, but I'm not saying that. But if we sit here and now we go our separate ways in, in the house, she goes in the room and I go to the office, nothing is ever getting figured out. And all what happens is that gap is expanding. And that gap of expectation and reality is called offense. offense. And so we can't be afraid of conflict and being able to navigate that because that's what gets us on the same page. Are you tracking with me this morning? So the gap between expectation and reality produces offense. And sometimes we're offended in those relational um, moments. It's because what was said was the truth. And it's the truth that we know is the truth. We just got called on it and we're not ready to navigate it. We're not ready to deal with it. Well, how are you going to say that because, well, and you don't even have nothing that makes any sense in what you're saying back. And on the other end, they're like, just listen at you right now. So don't be, listen, embrace it. Especially in marriage, they're not your enemy. They are your helper. And helping each other helps you because you're one. And that principle applies to just all the relationships we have, not just marriage. Because we can't live off of what we assume but from what is expressed. I know I'm talking about marriage here a lot, but you can apply this in other ways. But you can't just have an assumption that we're going to navigate the finances in the same way. No, sit down and have a discussion about it. You don't have to be the one that that does everything. I'm not administratively gifted. (laughs) When Katie and I, when we got married, or even like right before we got married, and we were paying for wedding stuff and all that. We combined our bank accounts because it just made it easier. And, and she started paying all the bills. And um, I remember she was like, this is how you've been navigating? And I would tell her, listen, Katie, they can't get what I ain't got. So I said, look, I'm going to get you this month. And I ain't forgot you. I'm going to get you the next month. Because you can't get what I ain't got. I know you're calling. administratively challenged. And so in our marriage, we sit down and we have discussions. Here's where we are. Here's where we're at. Here's when this is happening. Here's where that's happening. I'm like, cool, you got it, babe. But I don't remove myself from that conversation. I'm quite aware of what's happening, what's going on. But I'm involved in it, and it's expressed. And so when she sees, you know that one part of the plan, why you get that? My bad, my bad, I'm going to head back. I'm going to return it. Because <laughs> that's not part of the plan. But you got to have that conversation because, you're, again, we got our, our trauma, drama, daddy and our mama. So we're coming into the marriage with, with, with different uh, backgrounds and contexts. And so she grew up 
seeing finances in one way, I was just, whatever. She grew up always having to fend for herself. She, she'd been working since, I don't know, for forever. And so the way she manages that dollar was different. I grew up, parents in the military, just, you know, cool, got it, had what you needed. And so I just was like, ah, it's there. And she was like, no, nah, I've seen it not there how I grew up. <laughs> what I needed, I had to supply for myself. And so she had different budgeting principles than what I had. And so when we got married, we had to sit down and talk about this. Like, yo, that ain't, mm-mm, that's not how that works. And so because she expressed that, I understood it, and now that's how we navigate. Time together. There needs to be, com- hey, how often are you going to hang out? And how, like, like yo, we got to kick it. We got to chill. When we got married, I used to go um, to the gym in the evenings. And that was, that was an experience. Like, you know, I'm working out. But it also was a time to shoot the breeze. And so I would take my time because catching up, joking, laughing, having a good time. I remember, I remember one time I got home. She was like, yeah, that was your last time going to the gym in the evening. I know it's not. That's when I go to the gym. She was like, yeah, yes it is. What do you want to eat? It's like, in the world? But then it hit me. The Lord was like, boy, she's talking about because you know she go to sleep early, and now y'all got about an hour. And so she's like, yeah, that's your last time. I was like, ah, I get it now. But a conversation, she had to express it. And you got to do that. Family time, all these things. Matthew, come help me close. But the point is, we have to express the expectation because the express expectation is what gives us the opportunity to eliminate the potential for offense because we took the time to express it. Here's the third and final way today that we'll discuss on how we navigate offense. We have to practice forgiveness. Listen, when we are offended, the thing we want to do is to always withhold Forgiveness. I'm not forgiving him. Now, you know what you did. You know what you said. I'm not forgiving you. How can I forgive you for what you did to me? But here's what I've discovered, family, is that we don't hold ourselves to the same standard that we hold others to. It's a different standard from what I expect of me and what I expect of others. See, we hold others accountable to their actions while we hold ourselves accountable to our intentions. Oh, so you did this to me. But then what I say, well, that's not what I meant. Well, that's not how I said it. Well, you're adding something on to that. And so we hold ourselves to our intentions. That's not what I intended for you to, how you, that's not what I intended for you to take, the, to receive that. But yet we hold others accountable for our actions. For us, it's not what I meant. For others, is look at what you did. And so we can't forgive. And we hold it. But we got to practice forgiveness. In Matthew 18, 21 through 22, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister? Up to seven times. And then Jesus replies, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And what's happening in this conversation, Peter is actually thinking that he's being very generous by saying seven times. Because the rabbis taught that You should only forgive people who offend you three times. So Peter, in his mind, he's like, yo, I'm going more than double. I'm saying seven. 
So I'm being generous. But Jesus says no 77 times. Now, some of us will say, okay, 70, I got it, 77. That's not what Jesus is meaning. What he's saying is don't even keep track. Now, we hear that and we say, that doesn't make sense. That is ridiculous. Why would we do that? Well, family, the Christian's approach to forgiveness is countercultural to the world's way of forgiveness. The world says, nah, you did it once, that's it. But Jesus says, no, don't even keep track. Always practice forgiveness. And even if we have this idea that it doesn't make sense, well, listen, it didn't make sense for Jesus to do what he did, but he chose to forgive us. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the very people that put him on the cross. In fact, there's the moment where he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here he is. He's been lied on. This whole, the whole trial, everything was a sham. It was all illegal. They mocked him. They beat him up. They, the, the things that they did to him. But yet, here he is on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. It's the picture of forgiveness that we're supposed to live with and navigate life with. Because offense will always be there. There will always be people who will say things that catch you off guard. Maybe they meant to, maybe they didn't. But what we have to navigate is, in this moment, am I going to choose to harbor offense in this moment or choose to walk in forgiveness? We say, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm strong enough to do that. Well, that's the amazing thing. You don't have to be. Because in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he reminds us that when we are weak, Christ in us is strong, meaning his grace is sufficient to allow you to walk in a moment and respond in a moment that you didn't know that you were capable of. Family, we can't pick up offense because it disrupts the destiny that the Lord wants to walk us into. Would you pray with me this morning?